Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Thank you. Love it, love it, love it. Your worship's so good. I thought it would be good, but that was really good. Everybody's so friendly. Y'all. Blows me away. We don't ever hear that. How y'all doing? Hi, y'all. Love it. I know we talk funny, but you talk cool. I'm telling you. Who did we pray here this morning? This morning we prayed somebody wasn't really sure they were going to be here. We were going to pray them here. I brought some guests with me. And uh, first of all, in Colorado, they were here last time. Dwayne and Kelly love you to death. Wave your hands. I'm going to make you do it. They're my friends that I met when we pioneered the Colorado church years ago. And then I brought my executive pastor, and he's over a campus at Cal State University. It was just weird. God answered my prayer through me, which goes to show you that it's the Holy Spirit and not us. Love you guys. I was just apologizing to Benito a while ago. I said, I'm so sorry you got stuck with me, that God stuck you with me. Because sometimes I'm just all over the place. My wife says, sometimes, I don't know, you come off rude. I, 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 you're stuck with me, buddy. I'll try hard. Uh, you seen that app? Maybe some of you young people. Everybody's sending me this app that makes you look older. Anybody seen that? It's all over the place. And I thought, while well, you young people are playing the game, I'm living the nightmare. I'm already there. I said, can you make me younger, please? I'm living it. Uh, and I don't know where the heat's at. I brought eight t-shirts. Thought I'd have to change shirts twice a day. But the weather has been really, really nice. Well, let's get down to business. Before I preach, I have to tell you, I live a weird life. It's the only Christian life I know. I'll share it with you today. See, when I got saved, I said, either he's real or he ain't. I don't want to play church games. I want everything that Bible says, or I don't want any of it. And we're still living in the church of Acts, my friend. So I'm going to open my mouth, and when we get through, we're through. Father God, right now, anoint me and help me, God, because if you don't, this isn't going to work. I believe you will, and I thank you ahead of time, and I don't believe in long prayers, so amen. That's the way it is. Look at the clock here, so I'll try to be careful. Let's start out with Luke 10, 25 through 28. And here's what it says. Now listen to me. It says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to, to inherit heaven. He's saying, I see this life you have. How do I get that? Now move on. It says, He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he said, Well, the way I read it is, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and your soul, your strength and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, how do I know? And he said to him, he probably winked at him and says, yeah, try it. Do that. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Love the Lord God with all your heart. So, like, oh, yeah, go ahead, do that, and you'll live. But if you go back to Deuteronomy 6, you'll see where he takes it from. So he's not talking about that. See, this guy, more than likely, if you read the context, he probably saw or witnessed or heard about Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the, the loaves and fishes. He probably heard, because all this stuff comes before, how Jesus went into Peter's mother-in-law, who had this high fever, and rebuked it, and she was healed. He probably maybe even saw some of the demon possessions take place. He saw the lepers heal, maybe. And he probably maybe was privy to the 120 disciples. They came back from their mission, and they were high-fiving one another, going, Whoa, did you see that? Jesus told us to go out and fish again, and we brought in that net. That was the craziest thing I ever saw. And they were talking around the campfire at night, loving each other. Oh, isn't that crazy, man? Telling, swapping miracle stories. And this guy looks back, and he goes, I want that life. How do I get it? I'm missing it. Now, listen to me. 
you're not just going to fall into this kind of lifestyle. I just did a series on intentional living. And you're not just going to fall into godliness. For example, if someone's going to climb Mount Everest, they're intentional about it. They go out and they get in shape. They get their gear together. They get their team together. They develop a plan. And only then do they climb Mount Everest. You're not going to just fall into godliness. You have to have a plan. Be intentional and say, I'm going to do the things that I need to do to get this godliness. See, some of us aren't living the life of a believer. Some of this is redundant. What is a believer? Someone who believes in a lot of stuff. I coined a word years ago. There's a whole bunch of unbelievers, unbelieving believers in the church. Again, this is redundant. I say this everywhere I go, a couple things. But we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, but we don't call on him every day for help. One of the most powerful things in my life is when I'm at a crossroads, I say, Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. I probably do that three times a day. We don't take authority over demons. I don't think we think they exist. We don't call on angels. We don't, you know, and, and I'm not getting down on you. I'm just saying we can do this game. We can turn this around. We can change it. Let me ask you all a question. Are, are we living this daily life with God the way that we're supposed to live uh, I mean, this trip, me and Tom and Tiffany, every time we get in the car, we start praying whatever God tells us to pray. We pray, we pray, we pray. Um, we uh, plant seeds everywhere. I went over to the maid at the hotel yesterday, and I told her, I said, I got a word for you. I don't even know where you're at with God, but if you pray, God will hear you. And I found out she doesn't understand English. So I went through the motions, and I said, you know, pray. And I went through all this stuff like sign language. Uh, we talk about God on the plane. When we went to get off the plane, a lady turned around and said, where do you pastor at? Uh, Tom and I both offered to buy a poor person lunch. And my guy declined. But Tom took a guy yesterday morning out to Starbucks and got into his life some. And that's what we do. On the way home, we'll pray, God, sit us by anybody you want to sit us by on the plane. That's just, that's just the way we live. Is our life scriptural? Look at 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. God, our God, our Heavenly Father, is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Look at the next verse. This is, this is explaining Christianity. Now to our God who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Sometimes I feel like I need to apologize. Because this, this word's working for me. And it's worked for me for almost 47 years. I, I, I hate it when I feel like I, I need to apologize. The Bible says we'll have abundant life. The Lord has come to give us abundant life, overflowing, splashing on people. Hmm. Yeah, we're going to have problems like anybody else. We just did a study on Paul's thorn in the flesh, and, and his thorn in the flesh is very simple. It's the chapter before 2 Corinthians 12. Do you know what Paul said? He said, because of these great experiences I've having to keep me humble, there's been a messenger of Satan sent to beat me up all the time. Whoa. And he, if you go back to the chapter before, he says, I want to get rid of this. The way the messenger of Satan was beating him up, he was in shipwrecks, and he was getting beaten and thrown in prison. And he didn't like that lifestyle anymore, and he went to the Father and said, take it away from me. I don't want to live this way. This is not the way I want to live. Take it away, take it away, take it away. And God says, no, 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 you've you got to get something. When you're weak, I'll be so strong. And somehow he got it because it registered and he goes, oh my gosh, I get it. He says, man, now bring it on because that's true. In other words, a few weeks ago we went back to 2 Corinthians 11 and took three of those or four of those traits that he named as Satan beating him up. We went through the stories. He got beat up, he gets thrown in prison, he goes through all this stuff. But as a result of that, he sees angels sometimes. 
He, he leads people to God. He plants churches. All because of the trial. All this God stuff comes out of it. And God says, go back and look at that. You really want me to take that away? Really? Huh. You don't get a testimony without tests. My, uh, the leukemia I got when I was given a four-year life sentence, I wouldn't trade that for anything because all this God stuff come out of there. I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I first got leukemia and given four years to live, the congregation, what a cool congregation. They all came to me and they gave me worming medicine. They gave me stuff from Tijuana. <laughs> they gave me horse pills. They cared about me. And I started seeking God. I won't go into the whole story, but am I going to live? I'm going to live. And I got this one word four times back in the Old Testament where he said, I'll give you 15 more years, 15 more years. So I thought, maybe that's it. Maybe he's going to give me 15 more years. Now get this, get this. I marked on a calendar 15 years from the date I was diagnosed. And I started watching that date going, I, I think God maybe he's going to give me 15 more years. I don't know. Uh, now get this. When that 15 years rolled around to the week, I had been totally cured. I mean, everything, you know, the prayers, somebody prayed it out on me. is crazy. Anyway, I'm over at the coast with my two granddaughters. The very week, and I'd been watching that week, and I got a call from my doctor at UCLA, and he says, man, you get down here, get down here quick, Ron. All your leukemias come back with a vengeance. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, is it, is it in the, the, the accelerated phase? He said, it might be. You might not have long to live. I told my wife, she started crying, my grandkids started crying. I said, it's okay, it's okay, don't, don't fret. I went down there, and uh, they did a bunch of tests on me and everything, and, and they said, yeah, it's rampant, it's rampant in you. And I went back home, and my elders found out about it, and they came to my house. They said, man, come on, Pastor, we're going to pray through this. We're going to ask for 15 more years or 20. We're going to do it. And I just sat there, and I go, I don't know, it might be my time. And they said, this is not like you. Get up. I said, I, I just don't know. And so finally, one of them stayed after me. He talked to me forever. He said, please get up. We need you around for some more years. And so I said, okay, let's, let's pray. And so I prayed over, and I said, okay, God, I need more years. I'm not through yet, boy. We got a fiery up prayer. But then as he went to leave, I said, we got a problem. I said, all my blood down at UCLA says I'm eating up. They're going to put me through tests, all this stuff. If God's really healed me, he's going to have to change my blood. Because they're going to try to put me through all this stuff. So even if I had faith to heal me right now, my blood needs to be changed. No joke. Two days later, my doctor called me UCLA said, Ron Vietti, I owe you mega apologies. I said, what? We've taken the same blood that said leukemia was rampant in you. And we've tested it again and again and again. And it keeps coming out pure right now. Pure, pure, pure. And God spoke to me and he said, Ron Vietti, Sometimes then he calls me Ronaldo, Luigi, Pasquale, Romano, Vietti. He said, listen to me. I did that. Listen to me. He said, I let your leukemia come back in 15 years. But then I took it away again to show you that no one's in charge of when you die except me. Now, I've asked God. He hasn't said yes, but I've asked God to live to 85. I've asked him boldly. I don't want to go much past that. <laughs> No, don't, don't make it. I hope nobody's 85 here, but that would probably be me, you know. Come to the pulpit, Pastor Ron. Well, let's sing another couple songs while he's coming. And, and honestly, and my wife thinks I'm going to renege, but if he allows this, I'm going to have an 85-year-old, and it's going to be a dying birthday party. I'm serious. I'm going to try, but I'm dying this year. And so get the house. And I, I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to die that year. If he, he hasn't said yes yet, but he's coming close saying yes. When he does, I'm going to have a dying. I mean, I'm going to celebrate. And Debbie, she'll change her mind. 84, I said, how well do you know me? I'm not changing my mind. But he hasn't said yes yet, but he's getting close. <laughs> getting close to saying yes. Now, listen to me. This is so important. Testimonies come from tests. Let me briefly give you six things if you do these, there's a lot more to say, but if you do these, your life will change. And the first one's kind of insults your intelligence. But here's the first one. We've got to study the Word of God. See, 
some of you don't get it. You go, why should I do devotions every morning? Do I get brownie points in heaven? No. You need to read the Word of God every day because you forget what's in it. It's a reminder. See, this life he's called us to live is unorthodox. It's not normal. And you'll be reading the Word. You'll say, oh, this morning's reading, it says, confess your sins to God and one another. Oh, I haven't been doing that. You'll read a verse, cast your cares on him. I haven't casted these cares on him. I need to do that. Pray, hospitality, bless those who persecute you. You're reading Ephesians 6, 12. Your battle's not against flesh and blood. You go, oh, I forgot, man. Why? This might not be flesh and blood. It might be demons. And, and you go on and on and on. And then as you read and study the Word, you learn new things. I was teaching through the New Testament the fifth time this year. And we stopped on a Wednesday night. I go, wait, wait, wait. It says God is greater than our heart. Wait a minute. I'm getting a word. Let's look at heart in the Bible and see what it is. The heart is the seat of the emotions. And what we learned that night is that God is greater than your emotions. Now listen to me. This is huge. I might have said this last time I was here because I've been saying it a lot the last year and a half. You're called to live by faith. And when you live by faith, you will do things you would not ordinarily do and get things you would not ordinarily get. When I stand in the Vegas pulpit and see all these people in three services, huge sanctuary, I pinch myself because 15 years ago, God gave us a word of faith, and we obeyed that word of faith and did something we would not normally do only because he said do it. And today, look what we have, this church of 1,200 people in Vegas. Now, on the other hand, let's reverse that. When you live by your emotions, fear, anger, jealousy, you will do things you would not ordinarily do to get a bunch of bad stuff you would not ordinarily get. And you'll live with it. But what we don't see, and God told me this, this was this year. He said, do you get it when you have jealousy and fear and anger is overcoming you? If you will come and spend 20 minutes at the altar, my spirit will override that. And when you walk out, you won't have it anymore. Because the Holy Spirit is strong. He's strong. Have you ever had a spirit of jealousy or fear or anger? The Holy Spirit is a spirit. He's stronger than that. And if we would start doing that as a habit, that's one of the secrets to the kingdom. You'd stop doing all the dumb stuff you're doing. But it's just a habit. It's something you have to do. God is greater than our heart. And I wished I had time. Because we did a thing on Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Oh my gosh, did I see something there. So you've got to stay in the Word. Number two, if you want to have this life, you have to plant seeds on a regular basis. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. I planted, Apollos watered. Now look at this next part. But who's causing the growth? God is given the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. Hold on to that one for a second. We want God to do all these things, but we're giving him nothing to work with. <laughs> we want God to save our loved ones, but we're not planting any seeds. See, if I have a loved one that's not saved, I'll say something like, you know what? I just want to tell you something. I'm praying for you, and I'm not going to stop praying for you until you get saved. You got it? Now, they're going to hear that all the time. I did nice walk away and start praising God. I, I planted a seed, and that's going to be in their mind. If my spouse was leaving me, I would go to prayer, and I might come to her and say something like this. You know, I know you're going to try to leave me, but I love you, and you're going to start having dreams about me at night. <laughs> be ready. My wife's been sending me hearts all morning. It's so cool. Been married 50 years this September. She's sending me hearts. She told me today, she said, I love to miss you. You know what that means? I like you to go away, but I like to miss you. Please go away more so I can miss you. But listen to me. This is so important. When I plant those seeds, you're, you're going to love me. You're gonna, God's going to ignite that. You planted a seed, and that's not going to leave her mind. Now God has something to work with. You've got to plant seeds so God has something to work with. 
I don't know if any, did anybody see that in ABC a few weeks ago, how the Walindas worked, walked over Times Square in New York? Anybody see that on that 25-story height? Did you guys get that here? Crazy. Well, she goes to our church in Vegas, and I heard her up in the high wire. She was 25 stories. We've got this, Jesus. Jesus, we've got this. She was singing songs on, on ABC national TV. I'm no longer a slave of fear. And she was singing. She said, we got this, Jesus. We got this, Jesus. Well, we had planted in her heart. We said, you've got this, Luana. You've got this. Planting seeds so God has something to work with. Jesus once said, he said, come unto me. All ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And here's how you do it. Take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? It's a device where two different animals both share carrying the weight. If you're frustrated today, if you're at a place where you're burning out, it's because you're not letting Jesus carry the weight with you. You're not casting your cares on Him. You're not believing Him to carry part of the load with you. See... I don't know if you get it, but you have your part. It's the small part, and Jesus has the big part. But if you don't do your small part, he can't do the big part. Oh, does that make sense? I just plant seeds and woo I go away, whatever. I had a neighbor named Mark Angelo, and he's a fire captain, and I, I never once tried to go out and share Jesus with him and invite him to church but I would be coming out of my house very often, and I'd say, Mark, Mark, you want to hear a God story? This is crazy. You won't believe what just happened. Woo! And I'd say, I know you're not a believer. I'm sorry, Mark, but I just had to share that with you. I did it over and over again, and one day I saw him in church, and he said, I started coming three months ago. See, I, I told Pastor Benito, I've never seen this before until this week. I looked at Acts 1.8 in the Greek. Here's what it says. It says in the Greek, New Internet, it says, but you'll receive power having come the Holy Spirit on you. Now pause. You'll receive power having come the Holy Spirit on you. And I believe we could put a phrase in there. And by the way, as a result, you'll be my witnesses in all these places. Now, now look at the Greek for power. This, this opens up the whole door. Dunamis in the Greek is the word for power. And it means inherent power residing in a thing by the virtue of its nature. What that verse is saying, it's not saying I'm going to give you power so you can go out and share there's four spiritual laws or six or eight or whatever they are. I'm going to give you power so you'll have the courage to go out and tell somebody about your story. No, it says I'm going to let the Holy Spirit, I'm going to cause him to come in you and live in you. And as a result of that, you're going to have so much power reside in you because of his nature. You're going to hear God. You're going to pray things away. As a result of that, you'll be my witnesses. You don't get drunk in order to be stupid and do stupid things. You do stupid things because you got drunk. Does this make sense to you? I mean, I never saw that before. Oh, my goodness. One of the best ways to plant seeds is to tell your testimony. Pastor Tom back there, he's lived a lot of my God stories with me. But he was telling one, I forgot about the other day, his dad... Joe was a real non-believer. He didn't like Christianity, nothing to do with it. He, was, he hated it. And one day Tom came to me on a Wednesday night and he said, Pastor, my dad's going to open heart surgery tomorrow and there's a chance he's not going to live and he doesn't know Jesus. Could you pray with me? And I said, yes. Father God, right now, give Tom's dad a dream, a dream and, and cause him to talk to Tom. In Jesus' name, amen. And Tom looked at me and said, you wouldn't believe it. But I thought, what a weak prayer. Give my dad a dream. I went home and Tiffany said, did Pastor Ron pray with you? And he said, yeah. He prayed that God would give my dad a dream. That'll probably never happen. The next morning, no joke. I mean, I got stories like it's coming out of my ears. Tom will validate it for you. He got to call him the hospital. His mom said, you got to come to the hospital right now. Dad will talk to nobody but you. He's throwing a bedpan up against the door. He won't let anybody in. i got to talk to my son. And Tom went down and he said, I had a dream last night. <laughs> and he said, I died and they were taking me somewhere I didn't want to go. And Tom said, Dad, that was hell. He said, are you ready to accept Jesus as your Savior? And he said, yes. Tom said, I started bawling. I fell on the bed bawling as I led my father to the Lord. 
when they came in to give me the surgery, said, I'm going home. I've taken care of business. I'm not going to surgery. Yeah. See, you tell that story, that's a testimony. Mm. Gee, I got so much on here, Benito. I got to go through this right here. Uh, plant seeds and then leave it to God. I'm preaching sermons today. I'm going to fly back to California tonight and see my lovely wife. I've been playing country music a lot the last week thinking about her. Is that crazy to say I love her ten times more today than when I married her? Plant the seeds. Let God do the rest. Just tell somebody what's on your heart and walk away. I had a word for you. Time you got through, you'd probably say, man, that was hard. I am really tired. That was hard running into that wind. A lot of you, that's exactly what you're doing in the spiritual realm. You're trying to run against the wind. If you turn around and went with the wind, it's totally different. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen to me. My wife and I love her so much, and we don't argue very much. We had a pretty good one about four weeks ago. And I decided, I, I ain't talking to you. That's Texas language. I ain't talking to you. And it was a silent treatment. And I'd walk past her in the hall, and I'd scoot over, and she'd scoot over in the deal, and we'd scoot by. Do you want something to eat? Well, if I did, I'd make it myself. Some of you, I always get some couples that look real like, whatever, you tell me you don't do that. <laughs> but the air was so thick in the house. It was ugly. And a day and a half went by, and finally I went in, and I said, man, I'm a jerk. Please forgive me. Immediately I was going with the wind again. <laughs> it's hard. Where in life are you possibly trying to walk against and run against the wind? It'll wear you out. A lot of Christians are grumpy, they're grouchy, they're old gripes because they're trying to run against the wind. See, we're to be led by the Spirit. And I was looking at that word the other day, and again, the word's ruach, and they'll tell you, ruach, it means spirit and wind. And the Holy Spirit is the holy wind. I was looking today at that phrase, led by the Spirit, and it comes from the word ego, which is where we get our word agony. Not always is it easy to do what the Spirit's telling you, but afterwards it's so cool. Times of refreshing come. See, Paul, when he was on the Damascus Road, God knocked him to the ground, and he said something to Paul. He says, it's hard to kick against the goats, huh? A goat is a long stick with a pointed end, and they would use them to gently guide the oxen and make them go where they wanted them to go. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But sometimes the oxen would start kicking them when they would. They'd scratch their legs all up and it would mess them all up and cut them up. And God said, Paul, it's hard to kick against the goads. Again, I'm telling you, it is so important that we follow the Spirit and go with Him. We were in Mulahe. We've got so many miracles in Mulahe. We were there a few years ago, and no joke, we, we were going to build a house for somebody. And uh, Mulahe had probably hundreds. We just see Tom by hundreds of little houses everywhere, and we we're driving all over that community. And so we stopped and prayed with the team, and I said, right now, Holy Spirit, we need your help. Help us, Holy Spirit, to know where to build that. No joke. You can ask Tom again. We're driving down the road, and there's four cars of us, and we're driving, and all of a sudden I go, put on the brakes. Whoa, stop, stop, stop. I said, everybody get out. I kind of think God says we're to build a house right here. Does anybody bear witness to that? And he goes, I, 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 I bear witness with it, Pastor Ron. This might be the house. Let's build a new house for these people right here. And so there was a young teenage boy holding a baby out there, and we said, hey, uh, we want to build you a new house. And he handed us the baby, and he took off running to town. We disappeared. And so the guy said, what do we do? I said, did the Holy Spirit tell us? Yes, let's build a new house right next to that one. The parents weren't even there. 
And so we're building the house, and we're building it. You know, down there you build like a 10 by 12 plywood. And we noticed a guy across the street was leaning on a shovel watching us the whole time, just kind of shaking his head. Finally, we sent him to What's the deal? He says, why are you doing this? He said, for years we've told this lady, you need to build a new house. Your house is ugly. You need to build a new house. And for three years she's told us, I'm not going to because God said he's going to build me a house. Can you believe that? Can you believe? We were led by the Holy Spirit. Now, mind you, I'm writing a book, and it's got 100 of these stories, ever bit as good as that. I'll tell you, I don't know how to do a lot of things, but I've learned how to walk with God, and I can't believe it. Number four, this is really important. And that is, see sin as the enemy of success. Look at James 1.21. Therefore, put away, cast away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness an implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Look at this phrase for put away. In the Greek, it's a compound word made up of two, apo away, and then the other word, thethemi, to place or lay something far away out of reach where you can't get it. Oh, that's a word picture. Someone laying something down and putting it so far away they can't reach it because most sin is impulsive. Like when I want to get up early, I'll take my cell phone and put it away across the room where it's out of reach. So I'll get up. Uh, Tiffany bought me some chili chocolate. Oh my gosh. It, It stayed in the bathroom last night. I didn't want it within my reach. See, I'm telling you, gang, the Bible compares our sinful ways to dirty clothes. And again, it's intentional. You have to take those clothes off and put something in its place because you don't want to be naked. Lay your sin aside and ask for help. See, through the years, I finally come to a discovery that one of the basic differences between mature Christians who have their act together and immature Christians that are so flaky, one of the big differences is the mature Christians know what to expose themselves to and what not to expose themselves to. I don't try to be superhuman. I know I shouldn't expose myself to that. When I first got saved, I might have told you this before, but when I first got saved, i have been saved a year or two, and my wife and I go to the beach every year for a week or two, and that's where we had our vacation at. And one day I'd been saved about a year or two, and I tell my wife everything, and I'm on the beach, and I go, man! She says, what's the matter? I said, I've been saved a whole year and a half now, and these girls in bikinis still get to me. And she looked at me, and she's a cool wife. She said, I got a word for you. I said, give me a word. She said, if you leave your binoculars at home, it'd be a lot easier. <laughs> I said, well, I have to see the ships when they come in. And then I'd... I don't expose myself to that anymore. See, I'm telling you, gang. The Bible says as we grow, we're to be in a constant process of slaying the sins of the flesh. What are you slaying right now? We should all be in the process of slaying something. Mine, it's my mouth. My mouth. And I'm in the process. I had my wife going out actually looking for corks the other day. I was actually going to carry a cork around and put it in my mouth every time I was tempted to say what I shouldn't say and leave it there until I could get a hold of myself. See, the Bible is so honest. Why lie the book? It says that sin is pleasurable for a season. But come on, we're not plum dumb. We're some dumb. Sin's a package deal. The Bible says it's pleasurable for a season. But I'm kind of smart. You think I'm going to take the whole package? You get the whole package. You don't get parts of sin. You get the whole package. You think I'm going to give up 99% of horrible stuff. Crapola, that's Greek for for bad. (laughs) Am I dumb enough to say I want the 2% pleasure and then reap hell for the other 98% for years and decades maybe? I'm not that dumb. I'm not that dumb. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm slaying the flesh. I'm slaying it. I'm taking care of it. See, sin is like this. It's like 
you're a lady or a man and you wear a size 7 shoe and, and you go and you're window shopping, you see this adorable pair of shoes, it's a six and a half, and you just have to have them. And so you wear them the first time, and you come home blisters, you throw them, oh, those are killing my feet. Another two weeks go by, and you have a special occasion, you get them out, put them on again, try them again, come home, they're killing my feet, and you keep doing that over and over again. Sin is like the six and a half pair of shoes, and you wear sevens. It's always going to do that to you. God never called anything sin in the Bible unless it's bad for you in the long run. And if we would just get that, that God knows best, and I'm telling you, Jesus' power was in his purity. I just have two quick ones. I don't want to preach you to death. Number five, if you want this life, you're going to have to expect God to reward obedience on this earth. I know this bothers some people. Well, I'm not doing it for rewards. No, we're not, but you're going to get them nevertheless. Now, now listen to me. This is really, really important. If a day is a thousand years and a thousand years a day, God just dropped us off on this earth for five or six hours to get something done. And once it's done, we have green cards I give to people in Bakersfield. I still have mine. And it says, my green card. It says, Ron Vietti's allowed to stay on this earth until his job is done, then he has to leave. It's crazy. Now, look at this. This is scripture. Matthew 6, or Luke 6, 23. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. Your reward. Look at the next one, Revelation 22 and 12. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. And then the next one. The Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what they've done on the earth. Look at the definition for reward. I never really realize this so much, but it's payment for service rendered, which we, we get, but it's also reimbursement, recovery for any damages that have occurred. <sighs> you ever seen mean Christians? They're mean because they have a mean God. Let me tell you something, and I know this is very redundant because I preach it everywhere I go, but it's so easy to serve God. Most Christians don't know how easy it is to please God. Did you know a good father affirms his kids more than he disciplines them? And you should be getting high fives from God all the time. If you don't get high fives from God, you're not living this thing right. Yes, you have to confess your sins too. But today, you are ready. When you go out today, I want you to get your high five from God. Why? Because you came here. You came in faith. The Bible says when you do anything in faith, God is very well pleased. What do you mean? You came here because you felt that's what God wanted you to do. You came here because you felt, I'm going to hear God. You, you could have been doing other things out there. You might have stayed out late watching the bats. That's crazy. <laughs> you people have a life here? You go out to watch a bunch of bats? It's pretty cool. But you came here today. And God is very well pleased. Do, do you get this? If you get the Greek here, it says God is straining and watching every little thing you do so he can reward you. That's our Father. Every time you give up a service to work the nursery, he writes that down. It's all bless him ten times over for that. Every time you put somebody in the offering, God gets it. Every time that you give up a weekend to go with your friends, you say, I'm supposed to be at church, I serve there. God's getting it, and he's going to reward you ten and a hundred times over that. I'm telling you, once you get this, you will know how easy it is to please God. He wants to reward his kids. It is so easy. I had somebody tell me the other day, said, you make it so easy. Well, that's because it is easy. See, the Bible tries to tell us hundredfold blessing. If you give up any of these certain things for me, God says, if you give up, you know, a brother, a sister, a farm, you give up any of this stuff, he says, I will give you a hundredfold back both in this life and the life to come. Do you know why we are not winning the world to Christ? I mean, if those people, last night I stood in my hotel looking down on the city streets of Austin, all these kids, and I thought, they don't know God. They don't know God. If people knew the God that I know, you'd have to have 90 services here on Sunday and Saturday and Friday. You couldn't get them in. 
But I thought, what have we done through the years? We see all this sin going on down the streets and we got our signs. You know, repent or go to hell. Repent or go to hell. Instead of, come to God. He has a fantastic life for you. We've approached it wrong. We've approached it from the negative side. Anybody that finds out the life I have, they're going to want it. See, the Bible even says, find those who lead you and look at the outcome of their faith. And if it's what you want, imitate them. Today, my son is preaching in Bakersfield. My son-in-law is preaching in Thousand Oaks. All of my grandkids are engaged in ministry today. My wife is supporting and praying for the team. When we have family gatherings, we don't know what to do because we have nobody to win to the Lord. They've all, they're all one. We have to start inviting heathens to Thanksgiving so we can pray for them. I'm not bragging. Please don't think I am. I'm just saying the word works. It works. I'm not going to apologize about that. Raise a child up in the way they ought to go, and they will not depart from that way. And if they do, they'll come back. Expect it. I, I was at the Hobby Lobby the other day with my wife, and a guy says, can you give me some money for some food? And I said, no, I never give money. But I will never, no matter how busy I am, turn someone down for food. You want to go over to Panera Bread and I'll buy you something? She said, yeah, that'd be great. He went over and he says, can I go in? They said, they might not want me in. I said, you're my guest. You can go in. And I went to lay at the counter. I said, it's okay. He's with me. And I went to find him with his food. And, and he was sitting in other places. People were staring at me. So I kind of got in a corner. Tell me about your life. Well, I'm a, I'm a drunk. And my kids have all walked away from me, and I can't blame him. They live in Baker. Yeah, they live here in town, but they want nothing to do with me. And so I loved on him, loved on him, and everything. And he said, why are you doing this? I said, because Jesus so much connects with you. He says that when I do it for you, I've done it for him. And he started crying. And then he hugged me, and he stunk, and I found myself pushing him away. I almost had it right. I was close. Our little hypocrisy comes out a little bit. His head bumped mine. I went, watch. Do I have any lice in my hair, Debbie? Look, look. It's just human. It's just human. Almost had it. Last thing, and I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you with this. Here's the last one. Learn to live in a spiritual world. I'm blown away. There isn't hardly a church in America, not many, that has the guts and the fortitude to talk about demons. That's plumb stupid. I used to discern on the reality of demons. You can get it on the internet. That, that's tantamount to living in East L.A. And, and telling your family, look, we're having visitors this weekend, but don't use the G word. Don't talk about gangs. You're doing your friends and everybody an injustice because those gangs are all over the streets of East L.A. You better warn them. The demons have made the church afraid to talk about them. And it's all throughout Scripture. Your battle's not against flesh and blood, Paul said. It's against spirits. And I know we have to be careful when we preach about it. And you see my sermon, I think I handled it really well. But listen to me. Some of you are being plagued by spirits and you don't even know it. And you're never going to get out of what you're in until you wage authority over them. Long story, I'm going to say two more. I was... Uh, I had a real health thing three weeks ago. And what I did, the day after I spoke on spirits, I've spoken on spirits in Africa, everywhere, and man, I have had all hell break loose every time I have. Every time, man, I paid the price for it. Tom will tell you. One time, right before I went up, I changed my sermon. I'm going to speak on spirits today. And they had to take me out of the building, try to get me to uh, Germany, to a hospital. And I finally got myself to preach, but it, whatever. I, I paid for it. We preached on spirits, and I called the other campuses. How would you do today? And they said, all hell broke loose in our campus, our campus. I said, we're unscathed. Nothing happened. The next morning, this is the way I live. I woke up doubled over in pain. For two or three days, I couldn't, I, they couldn't touch my stomach, nothing. And so right away, I started Googling. Don't do that. <laughs> and I called my doctors and told them everything. I've lost weight, and they were worried about that, but I've done it intentionally. And long story short... They, they, they put stuff together and they said, we have to rule out pancreatic cancer. Because we saw your pancreas a little swollen. And I told my wife, I said, babe, 
I don't think I'm going to get to the 85. I think I got something seriously wrong with me. And I went and laid down in bed, and I laid there for two days, and God spoke to me so real. He said, Ron, if you want to lay there and die, you lay there and die. But if you don't, you get up and start taking authority over spirits, and you start praising my name. It's up to you, buddy. And I did. Long story short, you wouldn't believe the miracle came out. I don't even have time to tell you. I went to God and I said, thank you, Lord, whatever. And I, I, Man, I need a word just to confirm that you've just healed me. I need a word. And Pastor Jim called me and said, I'm going to ask Lisa Voss, this lady that always gives me words, I'm going to ask, let's ask her right now to send you a word to confirm you've been healed. And within, she never does it. Within 12 hours, she sent me a word and it said, I've heard your prayers and I'm going to save you. And the word in the Hebrew says, because you acknowledge my name, and that means you make me famous, you make me big. And for that reason, I'm going to save you and bless you with long life. Well, now I'm good. I did all my tests and had some doctor friends. They got me in, and I'm, I'm great. This is the last one. Bert, he asked me to add a couple of God stories, but this last one. See, a day hasn't went by in my life for years and I don't pray this every morning and night. Here's what I pray. Father God, today, send an angel to be with Josh, Ashley, Olive, and baby Vietti, who's in the womb. Have an angel with Tara, Kylie, Mackenzie, Jim, Josiah, me, and Debbie. And if any harm tries to come to us at all, manifest your angel and fight for us. Because I have to concentrate on your kingdom. And I truly believe that. And if Jesus was here, he'd say, let it be to you according to your faith. You say, I don't believe God will do that stuff. He won't do it for you. If you don't believe it, he won't do it for you. Your faith is what makes it happen. I believe with all my heart today, if, I, if my kid's house got on fire, they would be saved. Because I've asked. I believe in spirits, angels, Holy Spirit. My son went to go on a snowboard trip years ago. And to show you how prayer works, as I heard him leave the house 4.30 in the morning, I rolled over and I said, Father, God sent an angel with him and caused that angel not to leave his side. Amen. That's all I prayed. And it was a flippant prayer, but I prayed it. Two hours later, I got a call, or three or four, several hours. They said, your son's been in a horrible accident. You've got to come and get him. They're taking him to the hospital in a few minutes, and you need to come and be with him. And so, long story short, we jumped in the car, drove to Riverside, California, Got my son, the hospital, they treated him and treated him. He dislocated his hip, a bunch of other stuff. Took him home. A young girl was with him named Beth Garcia. Beth is like, you ever see those people that you know they walk with God? And she called me one night. She said, Pastor Ron, i got to come and see you. There was an angel with Josh. An angel. I said, how do you know that, Beth? I'm telling you, I know it. She said, before I came to see you, I asked God to supernaturally give me a verse with angel in it. And I went and just opened my Bible, but it is an angel. So the angels are among you. I said, what happened? She said, Pastor Ron, when Josh got hurt, they brought him down the hill. She said, there was a young man right beside him. The young man went in to the room with him. And he sat right three foot away staring at Josh. We went in the room to see Josh, and the nurse said, everybody out, everybody out, everybody out. But she didn't make the young man leave. I thought, who is he? And so she went in again to get directions for you, and the young man's still in there. And this time, we heard Josh say, my leg, my leg, my leg. This young man ran over and grabbed Josh's leg and held it up for him. And he wasn't in pain anymore. Went in the third time, the young man was still there. I said, why is she not making him leave the room? She makes everybody leave the room. I said, Josh... Who was the young man in your room? He said, Dad, there was no young man in my room. I said, what? Dad, I was awake the whole time. There was only a nurse. Never once. Dad, there was never a young man in the room. He never held me. It didn't happen. I said, oh, yeah, it happened. And Beth said, Ron, I saw him plain as day. He was real. She didn't see it in her mind. She said, I, I, I thought it was Josh's very best friend. And when they put him in the ambulance, he just kind of walked away and disappeared. You see, Ron, I don't believe it. You don't have to. I got 100 of these stories. See, there's a very fine line between what I live and sheer goofiness. <laughs> it's a fine line. I watch people on TV hitting people, knocking on. What is that? 
I prayed all night for two nights one time. I didn't believe in that stuff. One time, some guys came on to pray for me. They were motorcycle guys, and I, I knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to, they wanted to make me believe in the slaying of the spirit falling over. So I said, okay, pray for me. They prayed for me while they were praying. I was going, oh, my gosh, what is this? I can't stand up. But I did. I prayed for three days in a row, fasted. We went up the mountains, came home at night. I said, let's see how this affects our prayer life. A doctor came up. I laid hands on her. She went flying. I touched her forehead. She went flying over. See what I'm trying to say? Every once in a while, Tom will tell you, every, every sixth or seventh person I pray for, especially if they're demonic, I'll look at the guys and I'll go. And I won't even touch them. Maybe touch their, their cheeks, whatever. And they'll, they'll go back two rows, fall over some chairs. And I try to hold them up usually because I don't want a circus atmosphere. But what I'm saying is the fine line between the real stuff and the fake stuff. I don't know why that happens. I really don't. I don't know how many people have done that. They go, what did you just do to me? I, said, I didn't do anything. Pastor Tom was down 10 foot away. Today. Oh my gosh, Tom said, don't tell me anything. I felt it over here. What was that? You don't have to believe in that. I don't even like it. The other day I hurt my back so bad. I had a very large lady and she, I tried to hold her up and kill me. <laughs> kill me. Normally I will I'll hold people up because I don't want that atmosphere. But it does happen. But the goofy guys are doing all this and pushing people. It's ridiculous. I don't have to know God can knock people over to know he's real. I'm through. And I was way over time, a lot longer in first service. If you want to get the short version, always come to first service. <laughs> Guys, I found something. And God told me again a while back. I've been given about 12 or 15 young guys around me. I call them my Daniel boys. Every one of them's tatted out like there's no tomorrow. They all play guitars and sing like nobody's business. And God said, I've given you life until you train all these young men to carry on this message. Live in the book of Acts. That's it. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.